Welcome to the Rampant Mumblings, episode 42, part one of two. Yes, that's right. I've got so much to fit into this one episode, I thought I'd do the sensible thing and give you two podcasts this week instead of one, which is still less than the daily ones I was supposed to be doing all all that while ago. But never mind, this one is going to be worth it because today with me on the Rampant Mumblings, I have the developer of the app that at the time of recording was number one in 16 countries on the iTunes store. I didn't think he would come on the show if I was going to be honest, but I'm so, so proud to have with me today Dean Murphy, the developer of Crystal, a content blocker for iOS. Just to give a bit of a background on this, we started tweeting, or we have been tweeting for a few weeks now, because I was part of the beta test for Crystal. I reached out to him on a Saturday, the rugby was on, of course everybody should be aware of Japan beating South Africa in the Rugby World Cup. We sat down, we got something arranged, we talked for three hours, and I think we've come up with an hour and a half of good material worthy of podcasting. And so, if an interview with a developer of one of the most popular apps on the planet right now isn't enough... We have one more thing. As much as I like doing the show as a one-man band, I do like the shows where they have something to break things up a little bit. Something like an act, maybe a bit of a break, a bit of an intermission, so you get a a break from my voice and my dronings on, just for something different. So I reached out and I asked around to see if anyone would be interested in contributing to this podcast. And one man came back with an emphatic yes. And that person is Mr. John Nemo from the MyMac.com website. John's style of writing and emails is great because he doesn't mince any words. He doesn't say anything for the sake of anything. He doesn't allow anything into the reviews that really shouldn't be there. And believe me, I know John is concise. And that's great because when I heard his first submission, I was thinking, bingo, he's got it absolutely spot on. So in this episode and the next episode, in at least one episode a week, you will be getting Nemo's Hardware Store, where he's going to give his views, opinions and reviews on the latest hardware that he's got his mitts on in that particular week. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. And of course, please, please, please do let us know the feedback. Let me know what you think. As I said at the top, you can get a hold of me via Twitter at Ocean Speed and via EssentialMac.com co.uk and you catch my writings over at mymac.com along with john nemo's as well right then let's crack on with the show part one is being released on monday the 21st of september and then part two will be coming up on wednesday if the gods of the internet allow it and everything goes according to plan there's a little bit more at the end of the show so please stay tuned for that but I hope you enjoy the interview. I hope it comes across that we're both having a good laugh and it was a really good interview. Dean was an absolute pleasure to work with. He put up with a few technical issues, as always, when I'm on a podcast. Things didn't exactly go very seamless for me at the start, but more on that after the end of the show. So here we are. Enjoy the interview with Dean Murphy, the developer of Crystal. So hi, Dean. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on my little uh, podcast here. How are things with you on this glorious, glorious Saturday? Yeah, it's been a very, very busy few days, especially since last night. My MacBook charger died on me. Worst possible time. I did see the unfortunate Twitter that you had to go into PC World. Yeah, it's either that or I'm in between two Apple stores, but they're both like an hour and a half away. Um, So I had to the best I could do was buy the wrong MacBook charger and an adapter to go with it. It was a bit of a pain. Could you would think that the the UK's biggest PC sort of shop would may have a spare? Maybe <laughs> you would have thought so. You would have thought so, but nope. They had uh, about a billion laptops on show, and then two MacBooks and a little row of uh, cap- the wrong cables. Did they have any new uh, Mac stuff there at all? Or were they sort of like still clinging on to try and get rid of the old iPad Airs and stuff like they <laughs> do? Yeah, they they got um, had a new table, which was um, just covered over with a plastic bag. So I think something special is going to go there. Maybe the iPad Pros in a, uh, a few weeks or, or whatever. It, it, always, it always amazes me that they have these Apple stands in like PC world 
And no matter how gorgeously designed the stands are and the signs are, that area just always looks dingy. It's like they turn the lights <laughs> down. I don't know if you notice it. They always seem to just turn the lights down just a little bit to say, please, 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 come and buy our own crappy brand PCs because we, <laughs> pro- we get more margin on them. I know. Uh, the bit I like is if you walk into like, the little Apple section that they have, no one bothers you. None of the salespeople like, bother you. But if you walk out into like, the, uh, the normal laptop place, you're just hounded by salespeople. <laughs> I almost want to go and say, oh, so can you tell me about this Mac? Just to see them cringe, but... <laughs> so you've got like diplomatic immunity just standing next to like, the Apple stuff. They just don't bother you at all. It, I mean, you think about it in the Apple store as well. It always amazes me that you walk in and there's almost like an intimidating number of staff in an Apple store, but they just tend to leave you alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you don't even need to interact with them. You can just buy stuff, you know, with your fingerprint on, on your phone. Just scan it yourself. So on that subject, are you buying anything of the new Apple goodness that we've just seen this last week? Oh, yes. I've ordered my um, iPhone S Plus, Plus S, 100. Yeah, ordered that one. Um, and my wife has her eye on the golden iWatches, the new sport ones. So you've gone for the 6S Plus? 6S Plus, I think so. And you didn't get it in rose gold? I didn't, know. Mr. Man from the Mac and Four shows. I think he's going to have almost the exclusivity in that there London of having the rose gold iPhone. Before we go into it, then, what's your thoughts on the um, on the Apple TV? The Apple TV. Um, my thoughts are there was a developer lottery, and I read it wrong, and I could have had one, but for a dollar. But um, I I read it wrong, <laughs> basically. They've done this developer lottery where as a developer, you can enter it. Um, you enter your credit card details, your address, and they charge you a dollar if you're lucky and send you an Apple TV. Uh, a few people's got theirs today. And I think they're rolling out over the next few days. I read it wrong. I thought you can reserve it for a dollar and then they charge you the full store price if you win. Um, so I skipped out on that. Oh, that, 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 that's one of those very bitter pills to swallow, is that? Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, I wasn't going to use it for development and there wouldn't be any apps or anything because there's no live app store for it. So I guess I'm better off waiting to a proper release. Are you going to buy one then on release day? Probably. I'm a big fan of Apple TV and the new one just looks so so good. Cool, cool. The iPad Pro, uh, are you a, a liker or a hater? Um, I really want to try one. Um, I, I, I used like the iPad and I tried the iPad mini and it, I, I thought it was brilliant because it's smaller. And then I, I just think I'm a complete hypocrite because I like the new one because it's bigger. <laughs> Have you tried the MacBook the, or the new MacBook? Yes, I tried it out today. Um, I, I want to like it. Um, I went to click on an app. I went to open up the notes app and I just noticed it took like a few to a few seconds too long just to open compared to I've got the MacBook Pro Retina model. So I think it'll be a bit too frustrating to use uh, for me personally. Now I'm used to, you know, the higher model. Yeah, I, I will admit, I do. I really do like that. It's, But it's getting out of that mindset of seeing, thinking, well, you're paying quite a lot of money for not a lot of device, but that's just a, you know, that's just a whole mindset of thinking, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the lightness and the weight doesn't really bother me that much for travel. I don't travel a lot, so... Uh, it's, it's not for me it's certainly a good device it's amazing how small and thin and, and light it is and how capable it is for you know a device of that type but it's just not the one for me especially with the one the one port um as a developer i'm often plugging in multiple things um to ch- especially because most things charge by usb so I, I couldn't handle just one port yeah, I think a lot of people have said, I mean, I really, really like it. I mean, it's this is what seems to be happening with Apple now is that there's so many edge cases but that are becoming the mainstream. Like people don't like this because it doesn't do that for them and they want a, an, a product that will do this for them. And I think slowly but surely Apple is catering uh, for all that. I mean, I, I'm really on the fence about the iPad Pro, but I think that's only because I'm like everyone else out there is going, well, it's not for me. And that's brilliant. It's not for me because it's not for me. I don't have to worry about making a choice about buying it. And <laughs> it's like, well done. You've just removed that from me. Yeah, same here. I, I just, I, I love it. I'd love to have one, but I'm just trying to think what use would I have for it? Um, I don't know. I'm going to definitely try one and uh, see, see what I think first, I think. And finally, just to get this one out of the way, do you have an Apple Watch? And if so, what one did you get? Yep, I've got the um, the space black, is it space grey, space black, the sport one, the black sport one. Yeah, I think, I think that's been universally the most popular one out there. 
for anyone who's never heard of you, which is from the sounds of what's been going on in your world for the last couple of months, you are the developer of Crystal, which is a, it's not an advert blocker though, is it? It's a content blocker. And I think Apple were a little bit careful to say that. Yeah, they advertised um, the developer API as content blocking because it blocks content. Um, So yeah, it's, although the main use for it that I found is blocking adverts and also tracking stuff that runs in the background of web pages. Um, You'd be surprised at all the stuff that does run in the background if you ever get to to see it. Um, There's a good way to visualize it on ghostry.com. They've got a little link at the top where you can type in a web page. Um, I'd recommend just go there, just type in your favorite website you like to visit, and you'll be surprised at how much stuff actually runs in the background of that website. It just visualizes it so nicely. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's mainly what it does. It um, I've designed my app to block adverts and tracking and just general annoyances really around the website. Uh, sorry, around the mobile web. And I suppose I should give a bit of full disclosure here because I suppose in a way I'm a bit of a hypocrite here because I, you know, obviously I only run CentralMac.co.uk and I have adverts. Yet I'm a great believer in ad blocking. I'm not going to go into the subject of selective ad blocking or partial ad blocking, but. I have been a beta tester of Ghostery since way back when. And for me, it really, 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 and I keep saying this on Twitter, has transformed the way that I view the web personally. Because like, we all have these newsreader apps and you go into them and you want to read the article and how many times you have to, you know, there's an advert that pops up. So then you have to be really careful to click on the circle with the X in it, even in apps. <laughs> and what's even worse is when, they actually make that a GIF. So when you get, click on that or an image, you click on that and then you go through to the blinking advert anyway. So <laughs> in most of the time, especially in the the, ad, the websites on Zite are the actual worst for this. And the amount of times now I'll go, going to Zite, share, open in Safari has just risen dramatically. So full disclosure, I've been on the beta. Um, I've also, I also put adverts on my website. Does it bother me that you block adverts? A little bit, but... It doesn't bother me that much because I'm not reliant on making my living on them. So before we go into all this more in depth, mm-hmm. tell us about the start. So I came across you when there was an article on Loop Insight, and it was just it was just a very very small article after WWDC to saying, "Oh, I've just been experimenting with my own ad blocker." So we start with WWDC. Mm-hmm. What made you go from hearing Tim Cook say or whoever it was say, "Right, we're going to have a content blocker," to just writing one at home? What was your motivation for that? Yeah, well, I. I think uh, I was watching a WWC keynote as normal as uh, a lot of people in the tech circles do. And one of the screens, you, you know, that screen always pops up and it's got all the, it's got about, you know, about 10 or 15 different words of all the new things, but they don't have time to talk about. One of them was, yeah, that's right. I always like pause it and just try and look at them and just see, because they're often the most exciting things for me as a developer, because they're the stuff that we get to play with. Um, and one of them was content blocking and that just piqued my interest. And the actual video for content, or the, sorry, because the, uh, I run videos all through the week, I run sessions all through the week. That session wasn't until the end of the week on the Friday. It's one of the last sessions. So I was waiting the whole week just to uh, see what content blocking is and what the, what it can do, how it works. Um, so yeah, when it happened, I watched a video and then I drafted up a blog post just um, after running an, an experiment on my, my own. Um, so yeah, I use iMore as an example. I blocked all the websites, all the scripts, all the stuff in the background on their site. And I found out their web page jumps from 11 seconds to load down to two seconds to load. And that's what I thought, huh, that's a big, big difference. That's a, that's a heck. Yeah, I had to turn it off and turn it on and turn it off just to double check I was getting these figures right and I wasn't doing anything silly just to to do it. So yeah, it was it was a monumental difference. So I blocked it. It got very popular, went around quite a few tech circles. And that's when the light bulb went above my head that said, there's a market for this. I should really develop this. So when you, just to, just to do your testing, I mean, let me just play a bit of devil's advocate here. When you were doing all the testing, were you doing it from, so you, you load up iMore, then you click refresh. Was it actually any quicker the second time without the content blocker because it had done any caching? Or was it like just a placebo effect the first time? So No, uh, what I used is um, Safari's Web Inspector on the Mac, you can plug your phone in and use the web inspector to see what's showing up on your phone. Um, and what you can do is press command, shift and, ref- and R on your Mac and it refreshes the page on your phone without a cache. So I, I made sure that it wasn't 
cashing anything during this test. And I suppose the, the point is, even if there were assets already cashed, when you go to a new page, all that tracking and all that other the script, process, script processing is still going to happen, even if you've been to one page and you're clicking through. Would I be right on saying that? Yeah, yeah. It still like reloads different adverts, different different pop-ups, etc. So when so when you first did this experiment, were you actually, what was your initial feelings? Were you surprised? Were you thought, well, I'm not really surprised? What was your personal take on it when you actually start in, started investigating this? Because you did cause a heck of an uproar. And you, <laughs> there was literally one day on my news feed, so it was like, oh, here we go again. Oh, look at that. It was the same article over and over. But I didn't mind that because it was such a good article to make. Did it surprise you what you found? And did you get surprised by the reaction of what you found? Yeah, completely surprised. I had a you know, I had so much traffic coming through to my site. You know, it normally gets hundreds. It was getting like 50,000 or somewhere around that mark. Um, when I was looking at, uh, I never really used Safari Web Inspector before to see what's actually downloading and running in the background. So it surprised me a lot. Um, when I opened up iMore, there was about 38, I believe, different scripts running in the background, all from different third-party networks. So from some I knew of them, some I knew, um, Google, Amazon, Etc. that show ads and then there's lots of companies that I've, I've never ever heard of before um that's running stuff in the background so you know what's going on what's what's all this stuff i mean what i find amazing was that i more actually came out in almost uh almost released a statement didn't they to say we do this because we have to have all these adverts to support them and Rene ritchie does a, i mean he's a obviously a consummate professional he, he did answer it in a very very professional way but i thought it's a testament to your one like you say you were you were only getting hundreds of views on a website so your one article suddenly sparks all of this interest in it definitely yeah and i more handled it brilliantly they're very open very honest if you if you read their full post it's like we don't like this ads but this is what we do to to make money this is this is how we can do it so yeah they were very open and very honest about it and, and i respect them a hell of a lot for that um i feel a bit bad using them as, as an example because i didn't know it was going to get this huge and have that kind of effect because um, I do, I do love Imo. I, I'm a big fan of Rene. I listen to quite a few podcasts he's on. I, I like him as a person. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Maybe, I'm, maybe in hindsight, I, I would have chosen a different website that I'm not emotionally attached to. But um, I think that's part of what driven it. I do like the website, but I just hate the experience of it. And I, I, I personally like the fact that you did pick on, you know, the biggest popular sites. I, I think for me personally, they're sort of representative of the general mainstream. Who are the other? Do you have the stats in front of you? In fact, let's go and look this up now and give you give people a rundown of the stats. Um, let's have a look. Let's have a look. I don't think I can get with with Squarespace. Let me have a look. I'm just, I'm just trying to have a look on your website here now. So this is probably where I'm going to have to do a, a bit of editing. That's OK. Yeah, right. What, what stats are you looking for? If you could just give people a rundown, so the page, the page load time in seconds, because so, you did um, a graph, again, that was populated pretty much on every single site that covered TechPress at one point. So if you just give the listeners who may not be too familiar, and I'm, I'm going to guess everyone's going to be familiar with you by now, just uh, the before and after on some of the sites that you tested. Okay, no problem. I've got them up at the moment. So I, um, this is about a month and a half later. I had a, I developed Crystal into like a, a, a more you know refined product. It worked on more than just imore.com. It worked on pretty much any website. Um, on average, on average, pages loaded three uh, three point nine times faster. So around up to four times faster, and used fifty three percent less data. Uh, which is you percent that is absolutely. yes and the worst thing is it that's data that for you as a viewer on your device you don't get to you get no benefit from all of that extra data other than you're giving away 53 you know you're giving away 53 percent of your bandwidth just for tracking and advertisers and scripts and everything like that. that's a that's horrendous i know when you think like people complain because uh you know carriers don't give enough data with their plan um, I mean, here in the UK, um, big networks, EE, O2, uh, Vodafone, when you look at their data calculator, you know, how much data do I need on my plan? You know, they recommend what you need. They uh, they calculate it based on a page at 50 kilobytes, sorry, 500 kilobytes. I remember seeing your Twitter on this and I, I yes. left myself stupid on that. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll read out a few numbers. Macworld, 11 megabytes. Uh, Wired.com, 5 megabytes. The Verge. 5.8 megabytes, um, PC Gamer, 6 megabytes, iMOS, near at 7 megabytes, uh, Kontoku, popular game in 12 megabytes. So that's another problem I have with carriers. Like, 
I, I don't know where they get these average page sizes from, um, but it's definitely not from this decade. <laughs> no, and not only that, they tend to base it on the average size of an MP3. It's like, say, you can download 100 MP3s. For what? For looking at all the stats <laughs> here, like, let's just pick, you know, we're just going to choose one at random here, The Verge. Nothing against The Verge, just, yeah, these are stats. Um, the Verge is 3.38 uh, meg on the front page, you know, so when, so you're right, when people are saying, oh, you know, this is how many MP3s you can download, that's brilliant. Uh, that's probably, maybe it's because the only way they can actually quantify things because they know just how much tracking goes on things. I mean, look at it, the one that shocked me was Business Insider that pre-Crystal, it's 3.41 meg on average. Um, after Crystal, 0.83, so 837 kilobytes versus 3.41 megabytes. I remember having a lot of problems with that one. I kept uh, just reloading it, refreshing it. I thought, there must be a problem. That's that's too low. Why is it so low? And I checked. It was literally just text, just text and a little logo at the top. Have you had any complaints from anyone? Have you had anyone trying to put pressure down on you from top to try and say, oh, you know, is there any chance you can adjust these figures? Or, or has anyone came out and, you know, sort of scrutinised your testing methodology or anything? No, not really. Um, I was quite open with the method I used. Um, it seems like a fair fair method um it reloads the pages without cache um i use the same you know same device same wi-fi network um so yeah there's, there's not really much to dispute really yeah i use the same web pages um i didn't actually use the home pages which a lot of people do i've been using the actual article pages i just picked random articles and then and loaded them so i think that helps as well yeah, especially because with most websites, you are going to drop in on an article page unless you've uh, unless you unless you're a regular reader of that website. It's what it's what I tend to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, most articles are accessed through sharing, and you know, you don't share the homepage; you share the article. It has been an eye opener. So, when things start, when did you start sort of start realizing you wanted it? Was it after you? Because the first time I saw you were on Loop Insight. How long after that did it take you to sort of like go blinking egg? There's quite a bit of traffic on there. When did you first start noticing that things had suddenly gone a bit mental? Yeah, pretty much after I wrote this uh, the second post, which was basically a rehash of the first post, but with more websites tested and a, a more refined product. Um, and I think that helps because uh, a few journalists uh, got in touch because it got a lot of press, um, asked to try it. And um, I think the biggest one that started was the next web. There was an article on there where um, Owen Williams he tried Crystal, done some little videos. There's, he had some little GIFs showing one phone on the left without Crystal, one phone on the right with Crystal, and just showed the, the actual speed difference just by looking at it. And I think that got spread around because it was so easy to visualize the difference rather than just my bar charts. You know, my bar charts are one thing, but if you see it side by side, it's it's another thing altogether. This this may sound like a little bit of rampant fanboyism, but having used it, it it again, it's trans. It sounds stupid, but it really, really is transformative. It's it's like going back to the days when you first got broadband and before <laughs> ad companies you know, became so prevalent, where you click on a page and it's like text. It's like, oh, this is what it feels like. And let's not forget, if you most. Well, I would say most quite a lot of WordPress based websites don't apply proper JPEG compression either. And so in the past, I've tried things like uh, Opera when it would say, oh, you know, we all crunch your data when on a cellular connection. There's been other things like Dataman, which you go in through a proxy. The problem with those sort of things where you use a proxy that it says that it will save you data, it does. But it's just a, basically it's just applying page compression. And if you go into the terms and conditions of, you know, what they do with your data when you're browsing through them, you will pretty much uninstall it there and then. So I suppose <laughs> that is one of the advantages of it's very much the Apple, Apple methodology, isn't it? Like it's your data is yours and what you do on your phone is yours. Yeah, Apple are just brilliant at, at that, um, uh, you know. They've just sandboxed it completely, so my app can't see, and not just my app, any app that's similar, any content blocking app, can't see any browsing data, any browsing habits. Um, how it works on a technical level is my app has a list, and it gives Safari that list. Um, you know, my, my app has a list of stuff to block. It gives it to Safari, and then Safari just does all the hard work and just blocks whatever's on there. Do you so, know um, roughly how many things are on that list of individual blockers? You have any? Can you give any stats like that? Um, I haven't counted them um because a lot of the rules because they're, they're spread out on multiple lines you see and there's there's more than just the names of the websites but, um 
in total, as a text document, it's about uh, two two megabytes, roughly. Well, that's that, and for just text, that's fairly yeah. fairly substantial. It's less than most web pages. Put it that way. So this seems to be as good as time as any to drop in Numo's hardware store. Now, this segment was originally recorded just after the keynote a couple of weeks ago, and I'd hoped to use it sooner, but I was waiting for one of two opportunities to come up so I could really launch Numo's hardware store with the fanfare that it deserves. And I think we've got it on this show. Numo's going to talk to you about his thoughts on the, on the I keep wanting to say WWDC, on the Apple presentation that's just gone past, and a review of the 12 South Boot in only the way that John Nemo can. So, John, over to you. Thanks, Mark, for inviting me to contribute to your exciting podcast. This is the inaugural edition of Nemo's Hardware Store. Apple released three hardware items. I'm impressed with the jumbo-sized iPad Pro. It's going to be a success among creative professionals and other people who have deep pockets for that super expensive pen and keyboard and I may consider using one myself for my professional work, but it remains to be seen what it's actually like in our hands. I think the iPad Mini 4, which was basically just passed right over, is going to be a real gift for younger people and for people who travel. The new Apple TV certainly has a better remote and many more features than in the past. And if you've never used the voice activation on the Roku, the new Roku 3, you might want to consider that because that also has very good voice search. The new iPhones are going to be big successes, and I think they will speak for themselves very soon. But a lot of nice features from the hardware, and Apple appears to have done a good job on the integrated software on all three of those devices. It appears they took 125 minutes to give us about 25 minutes of information. I think they should dump all the Apple big shots and all those CEOs and marketing types just bring in some true professionals who are good at making presentations, make it short, sweet, in, out, have the whole thing over in half an hour. That's my opinion. You can do whatever you want with it because really the presentations are boring. What's not boring is a new subwoofer from 12 South. We'll have the link on our show notes and the product is called Base Jump 2. B-A-S-S-J-U-M-P, then the number two. The company is 12 South, all one word, T-W-E-L-V-E-S-O-U-T-H. It's a little box about the size of a few pieces of bread, and you plug it in with a USB mini cable to your MacBook. It's for use with a portable Mac, and then there's a control panel that you get in your system preferences that allows you to boost the bass. That's exactly what it does. It's called Bass Jump, and it boosts the bass and enhances the audio presence of the pathetic sound that is coming from the native speakers in all of the portable Macs. You will like it very much. It's on special at the moment for $50 in the United States, and it's worth a try. I've just got mine. I've cranked up the bass, and it definitely enhances the sound, and it makes me want to use Use my portable Mac for music rather than ignoring it and using a different device. Well done, 12 South. Thanks for listening. Until next time, from Nemo's Hardware Store. Cheers, John, and thanks for that. Look forward to the next one in the next podcast of this two-part episode. So we're going to take you right back up with the action with Dean. We go into a little bit more about the app, what it's like working with Apple, and a few other surprises along the way. And Dean is great because he's not shy about talking about the thing that most of us have a bit of an obsession for. How much can you make when you develop an app in the App Store? So let's go back to the interview. Going from, so from the idea to beta, how long did that take you? Because you did your little um, online, uh, well, not test, you did your little beat, uh, what was it? You knocked up one for internal usage. How long did it take you to go from that internal usage one to actually having something that you could release on uh, a beta? And tell us what it was like working on the beta process. Yeah, um, let me just have a look. I'm not entirely sure how long it took. So I, I wrote the first blog post um 24th of June, so like towards the end of June, I had the beta ready 22nd of August, so about two months. Well, yeah, two months. I had it up and running, and that's when I opened up the beta to people. And the frustrating thing was Apple um, has their own beta platform called TestFlight. It lets you easily add a 1,000 people in to test it. 
but they didn't allow iOS 9 apps until, I don't know, a few days before iOS 9 was actually available. So I had to use another process to do the beta testing, and that was limited to 100 iPhones and 100 iPads. And it's so annoying because for every iPhone and iPad I added, I needed to actually ask the person to get their serial number off the uh, off the settings. Um, and then I had to type it in manually or copy and paste it manually for every single person. So doing that 200 times and then rebuilding and, and rebuilding the app and sending it out to them, copy and paste an email. It, it's a lot of administration work to do it instead of just um, using Apple's method, which is just put their email in and, it's, and it does all the hard work. 100 people. Mm-hmm. So was it 1,000 people or 100 people, was it? Uh, 100 people initially. Yeah. And how many of them, so on the, just because this is always interesting to me, so on that beta testing process, how many were at, because you can't see any stats at all. You don't see what's happening on the phone at all other than you push down a updated block list. What, so what's it like working with people on a beta level, did you get much feedback? Did you find that people just wanted it because it looked interesting? Go into, you know, give us an insight as a, a life of develop as a developer. Yeah. Okay. So when you put a, when you put a beta out there, uh, first of all, I put up a signups. Um, when I post my second blog post, the one that the second one that got popular, I made sure to capture the data of people who are coming. So I put a little sign up there. So if you're interested in the beta, type your email address here. Um, I also notify you when the app comes out. Um, so I've got a lot of emails, so I could email like, uh, as Mark, you know, I can email them when the app comes out and say, go download it, it's available. And I'll pick some to, to try the beta. So when offering a beta, when offering something free, you always get, um, people that are willing to help. I had, um, some very helpful people who gave some very constructive feedback. Um, I had some people who offered to, um, translate it for free into their local language, which was very helpful because it's now in seven different languages, I believe. And you do get a lot of you do get a lot of people who you just don't hear back from. So I had about, about two hundred people, one hundred iPhones, one hundred iPads, and um, I was probably in contact with about uh, fifteen, twenty of them regularly. What did you use for your um, your development? Did you use Swift or Objective C? Yep, I use Swift, um, the new version of Swift, um, Swift two point oh. Um, that was good. So I take it you've gone from Objective-C to Swift. Was there any reason for that? Was it just sort of a good challenge for yourself? Or being a developer, did you see like the immediate benefits that this new fancy damn program language could bring? Yeah, well, um, Apple um, doesn't bring out a program language very often. I saw transferring to Swift last year with iOS 8, you know, getting in on the ground floor, you know, learn it from day one. Um, no matter how old Swift is, I can always say, yep, I've got X years of Swift experience because I was there from the start. You know, um, I've seen all the changes. I've seen, I've, I've seen a lot of things come and go. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty clear when Apple announced Swift, it was, it's going to be the future. It's going to be the future of their development platform. Um, obviously, it's not going to be the immediate, fe- fe- uh, sorry, immediate future because Objective-C has been around for, um, I don't know, a long, long time. I think 90s or 80s, I can't remember. So, um I just thought it was a good opportunity to learn something that's going to be heavily used by Apple and heavily promoted. And I predicted a year ago that at WWDC 15, the one that's just gone by, that Swift will be featured prominently in all their slides. And I was correct. The majority of slides that they showed um, in the developer conference were all Swift-related or mostly Swift-related. So it's obvious that Apple are moving towards this platform and Apple is a type of company you can either get left behind or follow them forward you know, drop the floppy disk, drop the CD-ROM, drop Objective-C, <laughs> that kind of thing. But it has been interesting to to hear about Swift in in it's sort of whispers because there were a few sort of public developers on other podcasts saying, you know, they were going to take very much take the wait and see approach with Swift because it was still in the beta thing and procedures and structures and all the other bits I have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> can get promoted or depreciated. So they didn't want to go through the hassle of building an app, waiting for Apple to then go, oh, you know what, we're going to drop this feature or you know deprecate this statement, and then you're going to have to rebuild it. So you so basically you just sort of jumped on board. And went, you know what this you know this seems good have you dabbled with metal at all because that that's the that seems to be the sleeping giant at the moment i wouldn't be at all surprised if it wasn't too far down the line that apple really does make that push for metal for ios onto their main macs yeah i mean some of their, their um macs do support it now some of the newer macs um I haven't tried Metal myself. I haven't even looked at it um, as graphics isn't something I, I know much about. I've never really you know, explored that kind of side of the development. But um, Metal should have 
some good performance benefits all around as a lot of the UI on OS 10 runs on metal now with El Capitan or when El Capitan comes out. A lot of the like UI sorry, UI animations, that's, that's complicated to say, isn't it? UI animations run on metal. Um, so it's a lot more, um, if you go from Yosemite to El Capitan, you'll notice it's a lot more smoother in places. A lot less jerky. I mean, I'm, I'm running the uh, El Cap GM at the moment, and it's. Oh, I know there's a bit of placebo effect, but I've literally nuked and paved my old Yosemite uh, beta and put the El Cap one on, uh, and it's been brilliant. It has been absolutely brilliant. You, they, it just, it's like the unofficial Snow Leopard. Nobody wants to call it the Snow Leopard release, but it really, really is. I mean, there's <laughs> really that much to talk about, but it's, it's just nice. It really, really is. Yeah, it's just a lot of refinements, um, and that's always good, especially when Apple's been getting a lot of press this year, the early end of this year, for their software not being refined, you know, jumping to iOS. Um, iOS 8 had a few bugs, and Yosemite had a few bugs, so it's nice to see a nice refinement release just to get it all working again. I really don't mind. I, I suppose I don't mind the bugs that Apple has in their software, because although we think of them as this massive, giant corporation, they still sort of have this feeling of, not amateurish, but this sort of indie sort of vibe about it. it. It's sort of like, you know, you can imagine all the geeks you had from college all sitting in a room programming, programming, programming. <laughs> and then you've got, you know, the showmasters like Phil Schiller and Eddie Q and the other guy whose name I've just forgotten. And I, I think it's still nice to see that from a company to push out releases that aren't perfect, but they do generally get fixed. Although you could say that pages in numbers was a little bit of a, a kerfuffle. Final Cut X wasn't probably <laughs> their, their finest craning moment. It's do you see? Do you, so you're obviously on board with Swift and, and Metal. Is there anything new down the pipeline that's got you excited as a developer? Like for example, Swift going, uh, Swift going uh, open source research kit. Did any of that interest you at all? Um, I love the idea of research kit, that being open source and just being very open with the data it collects and just allowing, you know, there's so, especially with the, the, the Apple Watch, you know, collecting everyone's heartbeat every few seconds, sorry, every about 30 seconds or so. There's so much data that can be collected to be used for good use. So I'm all for health kit, sorry, research kit. And it's just amazing, especially that article where the universities announced that they had X amount of people sign up. And to get that kind of reach, normally they'd have to spend like 10 million or something daft like that on a campaign to get people to sign up. You know, it's outlive what they, sorry, it's outlive like the information they can gather. So it's going to be interesting to see in a few years like where that's actually going to lead to. Um, but I don't actually see anything being done with research kits since it's been made open source. I don't see many projects outside of Apple adopting it. So I'm not too sure. It's a bit like CarPlay, where they keep mentioning it and you're waiting for it to come to be available in your car, but it's just not quite there yet. I absolutely love CarPlay, but it's when I look at the hardware that's available and the cost of the hardware versus the reviews that the hardware gets, it just sounds just a terrible waste of like six, seven hundred pounds. <laughs> I've seen a couple of reviews where they've gone into Halford, which is one of our car places over here in the UK, like a car auto store. And they've gone in and tested the, yeah, they've tested CarPlay. And they said, yep, we can see the potential here for CarPlay. Shame it runs absolutely like a dog because typical of third party manufacturers, they try and find the cheapest hardware that they possibly can and then shove something like CarPlay on it, which makes <laughs> the whole, it's like these TVs with all these, smart interfaces you think well this is a really really good idea and then you try and use it and my <laughs> my girlfriend's got a Toshiba TV and we go into the smart feature and it just loads up a video straight away and the videos <laughs> all and then it just seems to ramp the volume up to 100% and then you're scrambling around to try and stop the video and you're pressing buttons on your remote like a fool to try and get there and you've got so much lag and you go down down right right stop and if you get that wrong all you've done is like just restarted the video it's like, oh yeah, no. <laughs> if they can find a way to put something good onto cheap hardware and go oh well it's got the apple name on it they would do which is why you know i think apple having all this control is a good thing yeah i mean if you if you look on uh, on the apple website you know you can get an ipad mini for I know what 200 250 pound or something something like that i just like that in my car just an iPad mini running CarPlay, uh, you know, just you don't have to worry about aluminium because it's just going to have a big back and go into the slot or whatever. You know, just something like that will go go in perfect. You know, the hardware's good, the touchscreen's good. You've got that consistent feeling. 
I would love, I was thinking about this the other day, if I could have an app like Overcast and you have a little joystick on my steering wheel so I could literally go up, down, you know, like a play control, because you have these already for radio to go skip this podcast, go back to a podcast or just skip this advert, stuff like that, I would be a very, very happy bunny. <laughs> That's what I use my Apple Watch for, <laughs> just to play uh just to tap it and, you know, skip forward 30 seconds, skip forward back 30 seconds. Heading back towards Ghost Rears, so we've taken quite a bit of a detour. Oh, crystal. Oh, sorry, yeah. Oh, blimey. <laughs> you can tell it's... You can Close. tell... Oh, it's the thing. It's like, for anyone who does it, for anyone who's uh, not aware of the seamless production qualities of this podcast, I asked Dean if he would come on to the show about 12 o'clock today. And between the pair of us, my thought mainly, we've gone, oh, can we just have another half hour? Can you give me another <laughs> half hour? Then I was watching the rugby and it was South Africa versus Japan like I said earlier on and it was a blinding game so then all of a sudden I'm late so this is not the seamlessly produced podcast that I've well I've never done a seamless produced podcast <laughs> how are you dealing with your newfound fame then has, has your Twitter follower rocketed has your, um, are you still getting consistent traffic how has that gone for you it's been absolutely non-stop um, my Twitter stream's just constantly going constantly going and um, I'm hardly reading anything on Twitter because I'm just replying to all the mentions on my account and my, more importantly, my apps account because that's getting the most traffic. Um, same with emails. Emails are constantly coming in, a few every every couple of minutes. And there's just like a big um, backlog that I'm working through just because it had a very initial, um, a very big uh, amount of downloads initially. Um, so yeah, I'm just, just working very hard every, I'm off work this week. So every hour is just pretty much going into just replying to people, make sure everyone's happy with the products. And um, there's a few, a few problems that, have, that didn't get picked up during the beta phase that I wasn't actually aware of that um, are causing some issues for some people. So I'm just trying to get the information out to to get that resolved, basically. The fee- what feedback have you had then since you've since you've released Crystal? Is it, I'm just trying. Find, I'm just having a look now, or trying to have a look now on the App Store. What has what has been the feedback like since you've actually gone from beta to release? I can see here right now you've got five hundred and excuse me, you've got 104 five star reviews, and that's not too shabby. No, um, when I checked yesterday, I'll, I'll do another check now while I'm while I'm here. When I checked yesterday, it was about two thousand one hundred worldwide. Um, I can check the worldwide stats, and yeah, that's, that's it's got about 100, 150 in the UK. Um, the feedback's been great. I've had a lot of people very frustrated that's not compatible with um, iPhone five, iPhone five C, and the older iPads because it's only available for sixty four bit devices which I only found this out uh, about a week and a half ago when Apple updated their documentation. So that wasn't a conscious decision then to sort of say, right, I'm only going to go from iPhone 6 and above. You, when, you, when you compiled it and pushed it in, you thought it was going to be working on pretty much anything and everything. Yeah, the funny thing is it works on the iPhone 5 perfectly fine. Um, I'm using it myself because um, I compiled it for 32-bit devices. But on the Apple documentation, they say it's only available for 64-bit and they remove that uh, they remove they only basically push out 64-bit devices via the app store um i'd only let you compile it for 64-bit devices so even though i've got it working perfectly fine on my iphone 5 apple says i'm not allowed to uh provide it for iphone 5 customers which is um a bit frustrating that um because it involves um the, the way it works is as i said before safari gives uh, sorry my app crystal gives safari a list and then it iterates through that list um, it's a lot more performance. Um, it's a lot better for performance to do that on a 64-bit processor um, for a few other reasons. It, it's just better at iterating through a big, giant list of texts. So I think that's why they wanted to limit it, although I haven't had any problems with with it on my device. When you released it, you said that you released it for free for 12 hours and then you decided, then you you, know, you made a very wise choice of you know, charging. I, I personally would have paid more for it. You know, that's just my opinion. What was, What's it like being on the other side of the coin where you obviously got people who will flock to get a free, to get a free app and then the, sudden, the second that you decide to charge for it, what happened then? Did your sales plateau off? Did they still keep going? Did, you know, tell, us, tell us about what happened then. Yeah, sure. So as you said, made it free for twenty. Uh, sorry, for twelve hours. I, I had a number in my head. I wanted to try and hit hundred thousand, um, and I was willing to let it go for up to forty-eight hours for free. Um, just to, just to make the, the the point for developer um, from a developer's point of view, the first 
uh, normally the first five days to week, um, sometimes even your first three days, is the biggest sales time that your app, sorry, the most amount of money the app will most likely get. Like the initial release is when all the buzz is and, and when you're going to make the most amount of money essentially from the app. So to release it for free um, is, is quite a peculiar plan. Um, part of me wanted to, I had, I had about 12,000 people sign up to my mailing list to get notified of when it was going to be ready. So I thought as a thank you to all my early adopters who have, you know, given me page views, given me, um, you know, shared, shared the information about, I thought I'd drop them an email, say it's available for free for a very limited time for 12 hours. Um, I'm oh, sorry for the first hundred thousand, um, jump in and get it. Tell your friends, if you like it, you can rate it. That would help me a lot. And also, here's my PayPal if you want to donate some money, if you feel guilty for getting, getting it for free. Did, yeah. did many people take you up on that? Did you get many, if you, don't, if you don't mind me asking, you know, was there much of a take up to say, here, have this for free, and if you want, make a donation? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll be honest with the stats. Out of about 120,000 people who got it for free, I, um, I made £600 in donations. That's not bad. And, you know, and, you know fair place to you. So you should, because, you know, you're putting in all this effort. I'm just having a look at some of the feedback now, and I found one one-star review. And you, and this, I love <laughs> I love the App Store, because only in the App Store would you get stuff like, simply an attempt to destroy the free press. Right now, billions of people enjoy free access to journalism funded by advertising. With apps like this, comma, eventually all content will sit behind a paywall and us freedom of speech will be diminished. It's not the <laughs> fact that people mind advertising it's the fact of how the advertising is done and i think that's where crystal really makes a huge difference definitely yeah i mean when we said earlier you know um on the 10 pages i tested four times faster loading 50 percent less data um i did mention by loading pages faster by using less data you're actually saving um in other ways so for example you're saving battery because it's not um you're making less network calls so you're downloading a lot less if you use like half the data you're using half of your what you know what battery normally goes on downloading web pages so it's it's it's, it's funny how uh, performance is measured in so many different ways it has so many positive effects for end users and that's something that publishers should be worried about you know um, that something can make their devices run so much better that they want to block your content or block your advert uh, block your adverts to use it I, I have first-hand experience this. I had a, an ad developer on my website uh, and it was going good guns. And then one weekend, I just noticed that my hits to the site literally were a quarter of what they were. And I thought, okay, you know, it's Saturday, just had an Apple event, blah, blah, blah. And then it was the next day. And then the next day, I was like, what the heck's going on? So I loaded up GT Metrics and I found that there was one script that was causing like a 15 second delay. And so my, <laughs> uh, my bounce rate, which was about 65%, shot up to 95% because people just simply weren't waiting, you know, for the page alone. Page alone. Now, I know there is the excuse that you can use, you know, you can use CDNs and there's all other ways like caching and all that sort of stuff, but surely that's just a way to mitigate the problem and not to solve the problem. Now, am I right in thinking that with the iPhone, it's very efficient on the way it uses its processor? So when it's doing something like rendering a web page, it will ramp up the processor to the maximum it can just to you know, just to get the job over and done with as quickly as it can, and then it ramps it back down. I believe so. I believe that's how it works. Um, Apple a year or two ago was talking about their Nitro JS, Nitro JavaScript engine, which is X times faster than their old engine. So they're definitely doing a lot of optimizations to make JavaScript faster. But um, the problem is not that JavaScript's not getting rendered fast enough. It's just there's so much JavaScript getting run on the, on the device when you load up a web page. And going back to my IMO example, there's 37 different scripts trying to run at the same time or like sequentially. Um, so that has a big knock-on effect on obviously on the processor and the speed that the page is loading. What, what was that website that had something like 250 external cores? Was that the New York Times? Uh, NewYorkPost.com. Yeah, that's quite a lot. <laughs> I, I remember just that was one, again, just one of the funniest tweets ever, that you hit one page and information about you as a browser, even if you're in privacy mode, because they're still going to know what sites that you're hitting, sparks off to so, so many people. Yeah, I mean, Safari um, or Apple was built in Safari, a do not track button, which is on by default. And of course, um, advertisers have found a way to get around that and, and still track you with um, probably the coolest name ever, Super Cookies. 
Oh, good grief. I've, I think I've seen that today. Was it CNET who have now started, if they, they sort of detect that they can't run a JavaScript and then they run something else to say, oh, it looks like you're using an ad, an ad blocker. Please disable it to continue viewing the site. Have you come across that at all? Not much. Um, CNET do it for their videos, just uh, just their online videos if you try and play a video. Um, and I think that's, that's going to lead to one or two things. Either you're going to think twice i think what what do i want to watch this for anyway i'm not that interested and just move on to whatever you're doing or you're going to try and you know get around that and disable ad blocking load up the page see all the ads pop up again i think oh no i, I really don't want to see this video now <laughs> and i think you've got one very very important thing now that we've that i've kind of glossed over here is that it's if you install crystal you're choosing to block adverts if you choose that you want to see the adverts all you've got to do in ios 9 is click and hold on the reload button and it will pop up to say reload without content blocking so it's not like you're cutting yourself off from the world entirely if you want to give a site support you just reload that page and you'll get you know that experience from that website so it's not like you've taken a complete hammer and blocked everyone do you think people are aware of that does that need to be does that feature need to be more pronounced do you think yeah, it's one of them features that you, um, there's a lot of features in iOS where you don't actually realize they're there uh, until you trigger them by accident. I think that's one of them. Um, I've tried to put that in my um, FAQ so people are aware that it exists if they want to um, reload a page without having to turn it off. I've had quite a lot of people ask me if I can make it easier to turn off the ad blocking temporarily without having to go into settings, Safari, content blocking, and then flick a toggle, toggle switch. Um, unfortunately apple have limited that so i can literally the only way to turn it off or on is to go deep into the settings to turn it off and on um or discover this little feature that no one really knows about and obviously that's going to be coming up in the version two version of uh crystal is it um you don't have to give anything yeah. away Let, let's let's let, let's keep a bit of a mystery about so there we have it, folks. That is part one of the two-parter. And in the next episode, we go even more in depth and we have a bit of a chat with what can, I would say it's a bit of an elephant in the room. And we discuss Marco Armand's choice to pull peace from the App Store only a couple of days after it's released. And some of the comments and some of the conspiracy theories or theories in general that we had about Marco being in a particular set of people that may have considerable influence over him. We don't know this because Marco does a very, very good job. I don't dislike the guy. I think he's a talented broadcaster, an excellent programmer. Just one or two things that we're going to talk about in that as well. We talk about... Well, we go even more in depth what it's like to work with Apple. Dean releases some very, very surprising news with regards to his job and a whole lot more, including another Nemo's hardware store segment. So all that remains for me to say is if you've enjoyed the show, please, please, please share it. It was a major cue for me to get Dean on the show and I really, really appreciate it. All you have to do is go into iTunes and share it or Overcast, Downcast, Instacast or any other podcast player of your choice. And quite often, that I actually didn't mention Apple's own podcasting program itself. And of course, you can support the show by rating and reviewing us. And believe me, it is hugely, hugely important to us. And no, not important to us. We're hugely appreciative of anyone who goes on there and leaves a review because we know it's not the easiest thing to do because you have to log in, find the show and all that other sort of nonsense. And especially if you don't use iTunes at all. But if you can spare a moment to just go on there, leave some feedback. And of course, finally, you can contact myself via the essentialmark.co.uk website and on the Twitter at OceanSpeak. So until next time, which will hopefully be Wednesday, if this editing process is anything to go by, stay tuned and tune back in shortly for part two. Thank you very, very much for listening. And whatever you're doing, enjoy the rest of your day, evening, night. Cheerio.